You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to another week of the Oz Network's Third Watch exclusive coverage as we move in to the season four finale titled The Price of Nobility. It's a big one for you today. This first aired on the 28th of April 2003. It was written by Ed Allen Bonero and Brooke Kennedy, directed by Christopher Chalak and uh, big names there involved in what is a pretty big episode you might turn around and say, my name is Ben and what the hell is Chicken Shin? I'm wondering the same thing. My name's Darvell and don't I get to read the paper or take a dump? No. Um, you know the rules on this show, Darvell, um, so I don't need to <laughs> tell you about that uh, before it comes here. But uh, yes, this is this is a big episode, um, and as I kind of mentioned last week, it's sort of one of these ones that I always forget, I guess, how good it is. And um, I'm saying this now, as I said last week, probably the best season finale we will get of Third Watch. I seem to say that every single season, but uh, I can all but guarantee you I'm not going to say that for next season and season six probably as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, this this is a great episode, isn't it? Yes, and I was just saying to you off air right before we came on that, and people will understand why I said this as we go along, with everything that happens in this episode, particularly to um, two major characters maybe more they really picked a fitting title for this yeah it, it, it's a very very fitting title and as you listen to us you'll know why i completely agree and that's hoping that uh, our one listener is uh, on the ball today and is ready to go through this with us and make sure that um he or she is listening they are listening um but it kind of, it kicks straight <laughs> yeah. off, obviously, from last week's, uh, weird cliffhangery sort of thing that we had with the freeze frame, where the car that we're about to have in a car chase smashes through a wall as Bosco and Cruz have already entered the building, and we get a car chase going on here. Uh, Bosco slides over a bonnet very similar to what we kind of got in the opening credits, and Cruz yelling about, um, him going through a chase here, that Noble screwed them again. Uh, he, I love how Cruz calls up Noble here on the phone. <laughs> He's like, you know where I am right now? <laughs> yeah. I'm in a chase. Hey, Noble! I hate you know car chases. Right um, and this car chase as it continues, we don't actually ever get to see the face of the person in the black car, but we do see them, uh, pressing a nitro button to give themselves oh, that, a, uh, yeah, bit that's, of a that's boost. what that, that's what, oh yeah, that's what that, which I find interesting because, uh, I've only really ever seen them in video games. So, um, they exist in, well, this is a TV show, it's not real life. But the thing that I find interesting is every single time this person presses a nitro button, they don't actually really get that much further ahead. <laughs> like the cop cars are in, they're pretty close, they're pretty fast, these cop cars. So, um. Yeah, it's just a, <laughs> yeah, that, I guess that sound of, I guess that sound effect they dubbed in there was meant to, Make us think otherwise. Well, I, I just think it's weird that kind every of time we, we hit the button, we go out of the they go out of the way to show them sort of speeding off on this nitro button, and it doesn't even seem to work that much. So, uh, yeah, but this car crash, a uh, car chase, uh, essentially leads into a big crash. Um, they they call the horrific. They, they call horrific the um crash, the chase yeah. off, which I find interesting. That you know, obviously, Cruz and Bosco continue. Well, Cruz continues on with it. They nearly hit some kids with a basketball because 
why not? Uh, and it also really ends in a crash when whoever's driving this black car does a bit of a runner, whacks it into reverse, and it smashes into an intersection. Big T-bone, huge accident. Um, and Bosco, extremely angry, and slams the steering wheel as it happens. But this uh, might or might not set up uh, something sort of moving forward here, Darville, in this episode. I don't know if this will play a part with anything moving forward. Oh, it will. We will soon Big see. Time. We get the credits, and for the last time... Everyone, we will see Amy Carlson on the credits uh, of Third Watch. I always like to point out those uh, first appearances and last appearances. Um, we have, uh, after the credits, we've got the accident with Cruz checking on people in the accident, uh, making sure everyone's okay. Whoa. She wants to get out of half there. A, half, half-ass checking on people. Oh, she's not really half-ass checking on people. She's legitimately checking on people, but then she just then wants to get out of there pretty quickly because she says this is half the reason why she uh, hated being in a uniform is they deal with traffic accidents. Uh, but Bosco... Well, see, his- that's why I say she's half-assing it. Puts her, uh, Bosco puts his foot down and um, says, no, we're staying. Uh, we have Yokus yep. um, at the desk for the day. She's uh, waiting for a partner, so Sasha's obviously not being rostered on that day. During the third watch shift, Davis and Sully are talking uh, to Yokus, and we hear about the accident, and they sort of just have a few jokes here and there about uh, you're going to miss being out there on the street. And we have Doc um, waiting for a trainee who has not shown up. This will play a little bit of a part moving into Season 5, of course. Uh, meanwhile, yep. whilst Doc is waiting, uh, Lieutenant Johnson comes in and there's... Attention, ladies! There's a yearly uh, test that goes on and they go for promotions. And Doc, for I think what, whatever year in a row he says, is number one. And Kim is number 13, so therefore we find out that Doc never accepts his promotion. Kim is 13, so she is therefore first in line to get this uh, promotion. And through all of this, uh, Doc does not have a trainee because apparently this trainee has been sent to the wrong side of the city. So Doc needs someone to work with him, so he requests to have Taylor... Taylor's not too happy about it. Um, it says, why is it always me? And we are going to set the tone for this episode. Now, just before I quit comment on yeah. that, the one thing I've got a question about yeah. this test that comes down to Doc being number one. Now, it's implied that it is a test, like it's not a promotion, right? So it's it's they obviously have to go out of their way to go have a test to see if they can get this promotion. So Doc refuses this every year. Doc is number one every year. Why does he continue to take this test if he's never going to take the promotion? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, maybe it's because maybe he does it just to see if he'll pass it. I don't just to see if he would be in line for it. Kind of like, kind of like um, at the end of last season of of Blue Bloods when. Jamie and Eddie were both say, were both taking the sergeant's test, but Jamie was unsure whether or not he'd take the promotion even if he passed it. Well, I think that was more of a case of he wanted, yeah, like he wanted to test himself, as you said, to see if he could do it. But I think the difference with this is that Jamie, as far as we know, that's the first time he's taken that test. This is, they say, like the however many years in a row, Doc is number one. So he seems to take this every single year, but turns it down every single year. Do you not think that FDMY would get to a point and go, well, why are you even taking this test? And because Doc always... Probably. Because he goes on a big spiel here about how he doesn't want to work behind a desk. He hates desks. He doesn't want to do this. So why does he bother taking it? 
Like, I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't. I don't either. If you ever get Michael Beach on the show again, ask him about that. Yeah, I, it's probably more of a writer question than a Michael Beach question. But um, yeah, it's 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 a bit weird how that happens. Um, we have the car crash once again. Um, Sally showing up, asking uh, if it was a chase. Uh, saying that it was called off. Um, Cruz and Bosco say it was called off. So, of course, Sally's like, oh, so it wasn't officially a case, uh, chase. Um, lots of people, uh, badly, uh, injured. So they're just checking on them. Carlos and Kim having a conversation. Carlos being Carlos and claiming that they had secret study groups that excluded him. So therefore he, uh, never had a chance of getting the, um, promotion. Um, again, I'm still questioning why, like, why aren't they questioning Doc? Because they even say here, Doc won't take the promotion. So it looks like, um, I'm going to be a, a boss. Uh, Kim talking about that, which I kind of like how Kim, again, she's got some good stuff in the last few episodes, just kind of playing with some yeah. stuff and considering that in the next episode, in the first season, she's going to be very much the opposite of happy. Um, and then we've got Car- uh, mm-hmm. Taylor and Doc in the ambulance getting ready and sort of having a back and forth here and Doc telling her that, you know, you've gonna, you're gonna listen to me today. You're gonna get this chip off your shoulder. You're gonna work it out now. And, um, you're gonna basically do this and, um, you know, do as you're told. Now, Taylor says here that she, the only reason she was a medic is because they weren't hiring with the fire department. So she took the test. I feel this is again, did we not hear something different at some point saying that she did this to help people back in season two? I feel they've contradicted themselves here with what they said. I'll have to check. I'll have to check and we to w- see if to see if she did mention that. Because I know we went over oh, this with her oh, becoming oh, a firefighter. Oh, that you, kind of there was a bit about- of contrasting information about her becoming a firefighter. So I feel as though that this was mentioned at some point that the reason why she became a medic. And I feel this completely goes you- against what they said previously. Oh. Well, I mean, they they said why she became a firefighter. She said that in the history episode, but I don't, but I don't recall her saying why she became a medic. I'll have to check again. Well, this is this is I think an Okita's job if he's listening uh, <laughs> to, to yep. bring bring I us will up to speed. <laughs> yep, I, I will say though, and and I'll I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Um, you know the the part in this little back and forth where where you know she says you know it's all the same guys don't like having women in the department so they find excuses to put us in these girly ass jobs and then doc says it comes down to you're certified and they're not and then she goes no it comes down to i have more skills and less choices womanhood in the land of the free you know i think they're both right in on in some way because, yeah, Taylor is certified in ways that the rest that her fellow squad members aren't. No question about it. But she, but let's be real here. She never. We we never get to see her shine as a firefighter. She is not on the squad very much. I and is that and is that because. I mean, do they not like? No, I look, do. They really not I like think having to women step on the in there. I, I mean, my person, I, I really think that this is not a gender issue. I think that she's just having a day where she is playing this card, and I don't think it's a valid argument because I think Doc wins this argument. His point is, you're trained, they're not, and that I think is the bottom line. Um, 
I, I, I think there's nothing more to it than the fact that Doc's a paramedic short. They needed an extra paramedic, and she's the one there. If, say, DK was trained as a paramedic and they took Taylor over DK, then yes, you could make an argument there. But I think that we've never really seen the guys, except maybe for the first episode, when Taylor's in it, um, really kind of treat her any differently, if you know what I mean. So I think that... I, I don't think it's... Yeah, I think it's purely only because of the fact she's trained. She's clearly upset. She's trying to throw out as many excuses and reasons out there why it is the case. But at the end of the day, um, you know, she's the one who's trained in this situation or not. And if I'm in this car accident, I don't want a non-trained paramedic working on me. I don't want DK uh, providing assistance to me when he's maybe just got basic CPR skills. Um, so, no, I don't think there's a gender debate in this at all. Okay, gotcha. It's it's interesting. And yeah, you're 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 right in in the first in the first episode of, with her. Yeah, they did treat her like less of a less of a member of their squad, less of a person. You know, I really wouldn't say they re- and I mean things progressed from there, but I've always said that they didn't I don't think they really 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 came to appreciate her for 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 who she for who she was and what she was capable of until that football game mm. in the honor episode. Well, well we're going to I think we'll hold some of that discussion for now because we're going to be coming back okay. to talking about Taylor very shortly kind of when we go over a little bit more of um you know her because this is the episode that we will do that. Um but yes. yeah so the one thing I'll say is I mentioned at the end of last week that this episode kind of is is a bit cliché in terms of the way things set up. I mean they do Let's be honest here. Taylor hasn't had a storyline all season. She got hit by a car, what, like at the very beginning of this season, and then essentially, you know, completely forgotten about except for a two-minute appearance here, there, and everywhere else. So I think the cliches that they're playing here, you know something is up when, A, Taylor all of a sudden becomes a huge part of an episode. B, they set it up with the whole, like, oh, you know, she doesn't want to be here doing this today. You know, she should be doing something else thing, you know, sort of the what-if scenario. And just kind of the, yeah. you know, the whole situation that's going on here. But I'm not complaining about this because I think there are, there are times when cliches really don't work. And we've gone over this on some of our many other shows with things, and particularly with my opinions when it comes to the storylines revolving around amnesia and things like that. That is a cliche that 99.9% <laughs> of the time never works. It's tried and tested and it's terrible. Don't use it, TV writers. Whereas this one is kind of, you know, it's one that's been done before on plenty of shows, but it kind of works because they, they tug an emotional cord with everything the way they play it out. I do have a complaint when we get to her death. I mean, there's no point not spoiling it. If you're listening to this, you've watched the episode, um, that I think they could have done differently around her character this season, but we'll get to that. And I think I alluded to that earlier this season. But, um, yeah, I don't know if you have anything to say about this, but I, I think the cliches work this episode. Um, no, <laughs> nope. Nope, nothing to add there. All right. Well, so they arrive at the accident scene, and uh, the the word guys, our guys, are mentioned here. And of course, Taylor's being all stroppy and sort of you know questions that our guys. And then Sally's kind of like, "Oh, hello to you. Too. Hello to you too." So Cruz is on the phone. She uh, finds out that uh, they can get out of there essentially. 
Um, and they have another, Cruz and Bosco having another fight here because Cruz saying that you're assigned to me, uh, that this isn't our job. So they, uh, they head off. So kind of poor old Bosco here, the man in the middle when it comes to this weird triangle conflict, he sort of, uh, got Yokus against him. He's got Cruz against him now. So Bosco really is alone in all of this currently. Uh, he's got himself into yep. a bit of a pickle. Uh, we have a weird zoom all of a sudden panning away from, Cruz and Bosco that goes on Taylor. And this is, again, adding to that cliche that you kind of know something's going to happen here because they keep emphasising Taylor on a burning car. They keep zooming in on this nitro that is burning. Um, so it's just, it comes down to yeah, it that, that you know that, something is going to happen. That, um, Lute, Lieutenant yeah. Johnson keeps yelling at Taylor to get off the car. Taylor, get off that car! Which, uh, again, will play into it. Again, you know something's going to happen around that. Uh, we have, uh, the ADA questioning Bosco and Cruz, uh, in regards to, uh, the arrest of Stevie and, uh, saying that this was good police work and that, uh, it's a slam dunk and everything will go down. And Bosco obviously still not feeling too good about this whole situation. Doc, once again, um, he joins in on the, uh, questioning of Taylor on the car Taylor snaps back, and we have a bit of a nice moment between Taylor and this couple in this car, um, talking about how she doesn't really want to be there and how she does like Doc. We're just having a bit of a fight at the moment, um, and that this couple are glad that uh, she's on the car helping them, and Taylor admits, well, don't tell anyone, but I'm kind of glad too. Now, in all that is lost in this explosion, which is about to happen very soon, can we just establish that this poor little innocent old couple die, clearly, in this uh, accident? <laughs> And um, we never seem to care about them again. Um, so, they do? Well, I mean, the car explodes. I'm assuming they're dead. <laughs> Taylor gets I ripped it in was half. The, I thought it was. I thought it was the. I thought it was the car. I thought the car that exploded was the was the Chevy with the nitro. Well, they're right it. next to each other, so I'm assuming that that car gets engulfed in the explosion too. So, um, I mean, okay. you, you, they could. And I I only say that because when it I mean, when it comes back from the commercial, you can – okay, maybe it's not the old man in the car. I thought it was the old man, but there's someone who screams, get us out of here, please! Well, there's – I mean, there's a lot of people in this accident, and I think kind of the whole emphasis of this accident, though, is that we're not really focused on the victims of this accident, which, again, is another, I guess, uh, you know, obvious sign that something's going to happen here because realistically, besides this little moment between the couple – and Taylor, you know, it's not emphasising who's involved in this accident, which generally happens in Third Watch, you know, when we've got a a rescue scene and all that sort of stuff. And one thing we should mention, we touched on this last week or the other week when we were talking about Jimmy. Where's Jimmy? Does Jimmy have the day off? I think I think actually they do mention that, don't they, in the beginning of next season, actually, when he comes in on his yes, motorbike. They, yes, right. they do. He has the... Yeah, he has, he has this day off. Yeah. So, I mean, bad timing for Jimmy. But again, this is like one of those ones... That, um, you know, I know you alluded to the fact with these firefighting storylines being ignored and Jimmy being ignored, sort of the sole reason why they've got firefighters in this show. But, I mean, I do think it's weirdly good that they're able to carry some storylines with firefighters. With I mean, without even really, like, I know Taylor's essentially at the, you know, the forefront of this storyline, but she's not a firefighter in the storyline. So we've got Lieutenant Johnson, we've got DK, we've got Walsh involved in this, and they're still able to have firefighters in this. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's kind of, it's good that they're able to, to have that. Um, 
Meanwhile, we cut back to uh, Bosco and Cruz situation. Cruz yelling at Yokus at the desk, finding out where Bosco is going. I do love just the calmness of uh, Yokus having a bad day, Sarge, as uh, Cruz is storming away. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. And this is this is where we have Cruz pulling up Bosco in the locker room and sort of, again, trying to explain why they're doing this, why they're nailing this on somebody else, that they've never had a chance to get a guy like this in terms of Buford, so this is why they've kept Noble around to lead him to him. And this is where Cruz then admits that your name's on all the reports. Um, you're the one that's going to get the fall for this. Uh, and then Cruz gets all, uh, you know, comes on to Bosco and tries to kind of, you know, batter eyes and get away with it. But Bosco rightfully stands up and is like, you're not going to screw me into this. Uh, and then Bosco essentially stands up and says that, nope, I'm not, I'm not doing this. If you want to do this, you do it without me. And this is where Cruz clearly is starting to panic because she can't control Bosco anymore. Uh, really at this point. So I'm just going to pause and it there you know because it- uh, we're obviously going to have to talk about this next scene pretty prominently in a few moments. Yep. So, uh, yeah, clearly Bosco, though, standing up to Cruz. Um, yay, Bosco. Yep, and it does, and it 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 proves what Sasha said about Cruz um, in, the last, in the last episode about how, you know, she's she's insecure and never hesitates to let to let everyone know she's in charge it shows here because that when someone finally stands up to her her facade her facade starts to crack yeah exactly and so yeah you summed it up perfectly and i think kind of adding to my constant defense of sergeant cruz um the many layers of her and why her development works well is because this really is the crack showing that, yeah, we've sort of gotten to this point now where we're peak evil Cruz, but she's vulnerable in the fact that, yeah, as soon as somebody stands up to her, what's she going to do about it? And clearly we're going to see what she's going to do about it and the extent she's willing to go to. And again, there's an argument around, you know, the rights and wrongs around what she does. Um, but yeah, like absolutely the crack show when somebody stands up to her. And I think it's great layering to this character to really show that. Because, again, at the end of the day, you might argue she's a bit of a bully. And the age-old cliche with bullies is if you stand up to them and, uh, you know, show some strength against them, that they generally... Show them you won't take their shit. Yeah. They generally will kind of, you know, back down because there's lots of reasonings behind that. So, um one thing, though, that we, as we get into this obviously very important scene, a uh, scene that uh, I'm saying right now will make our top five. Um, but I think yep. going back to what I was saying again last week, the balancing of this episode is that at the end of the day, I feel that this episode is more about the firefighters and the paramedics and kind of what's about to happen here. But you've still got this right. very important storyline that's been going on for a few weeks now with Cruz and Bosco and Noble and Yokus essentially as well. Um, so I, I do really think that they've done enough balancing here that you kind of can pay enough attention to both and be enthralled in each storyline. So, um, yeah, I think it's very well written this episode and it's clearly because it's yes. uh, written by two of our very prominent, uh, writers, obviously, uh, Ed Allen Bonero, one of the uh, showrunners of this uh, show and of course, Brooke Kennedy as well. Um, you know, very prominent yes. people involved in the history of this show and it shows, definitely shows. But um, mm-hmm. this is where we're going to get to our uh, big scene here. 
So um, we're back at the accident. Carlos is treating one guy. Johnson um, takes off his jacket. It's actually a little subtle little thing, which I don't think I've ever really paid attention to, is this moment where he takes off his jacket. Because Carlos is helping a guy. The guy says he's cold. So Johnson takes off his jacket to give to this guy. Now, I think that's a pretty key thing that he takes off his jacket, because they're fireproof jackets. So you've got to wonder, if he kept that jacket on, just how much uh, different would things have gone at this point? I've never really noticed it before until this uh, watch around. Um, yeah, Johnson- something to... Th- Go ahead. Taylor, didn't I tell you to get down from there? Get down now! Johnson, uh, yes, doing that, telling Taylor to get down off the car, and then out of um, all of this, we hear some uh, noises happening. We get uh, some weird sort of uh, cuts and edits to each of their faces as it sort of zooms in as we hear this sound, and then a massive explosion. And during this explosion, I do kind of find it interesting that you sort of get a subtle little flash of Taylor's face going on there. Um, we then see uh, a helmet crash down to the ground on fire. We see Johnson on the ground on fire, screaming. And then uh, we see Taylor land on the ground with a big thud, sort of a face down with a blood all on her face. And then you see a pair of legs fall next to her in the complete opposite direction. We have everybody is yelling at Alex. Second, they all rush over second, to Taylor to um, see her. Uh, just give me a second, Darby. Let me finish this, and then you can talk. Okay, sorry. Uh, we see Davis, Ta- uh, Davis, Kim, and Carlos all rush over to her, and they've all got this look on their face, which just clearly shows, uh-oh, this is not good. Um, Taylor just sort of is reacting and kind of is in shock, to which she asks, how am I doing? And out of all these people who are there staring and in shock... And this is what I really love about this scene too. Not the fact that Taylor's dying, but the fact that we have Carlos is the one who steps in here and kind of goes into Taylor and basically just says, it's going to be all right, Alex. It's going to be all right. And just the look, the, the one of the most like heartbreaking things on this scene, among many things that we're seeing, is just the, the pure look of desperation on Taylor's face. She's got like just this brief moment on her face where you can clearly see, she knows this is it. This is, this is it. She's dead. And just the way it kind of transitions from that look of sheer panic desperation to just almost this level of calmness when she just says, tell my mother, you know, and then it's kind of a bit of a cough and then tell my mother it didn't hurt. And then she dies. And then just this score of music that plays, which is just so beautifully connected to this emotion that you're experiencing right now on screen. Uh, the looks on the faces still of everybody there. And then you get this zoom up uh, of the scene where there's a car door essentially covering uh, Taylor's dismembered body, which, you know, this will go into, I guess, what you've talked a little bit about, sort of the censorship and what they can and can't show at this point. But, like, this scene, just overall... Um, I mean, the first point, adding into the cliches and everything I say, I mean, this is a over-the-top death. It's an explosion where somebody gets ripped in half, and we're ignoring the fact, really, that Johnson is on fire right now. I guess I'll focus on that sort of, uh, you know, a little bit later in this episode and what's going to happen next episode. But, I mean, it's, it's gory. Like, we literally see a pair of legs land next to her, which I have to question, how do the legs land next to her and this car door still manages to cover them up? She's clearly... I think the only reason we've got that card all there is because they want to zoom up to, again, prove that she's ripped in half. Um, and, you know, if this is realistically there and the, the look, I guess, on their faces, you know, she's going to have blood and vital organs sort of sprued out all over the concrete if they could show it. If this was like Game of Thrones or an HBO or something like that. Um, but, you know, we'll eulogize Taylor in just a moment. But I do remember you mm-hmm. telling me, Darvell, 
that this might have, and you can correct me here if I'm wrong, but this might have been one of the first or the first episodes you'd seen of Third Watch, or this was one of the first moments you'd seen. But, uh, I mean, take us through your emotions and everything, I guess, from watching this now to when you first saw this. Yes, this was actually one of the first scenes of Third Watch that I had, that I, that I ever watched. And I don't even remember, I just randomly typed in Third Watch on YouTube one night back when I was in college. Um, Excuse me. And the first thing I saw was Third Watch, Alex Taylor dies. And I was like, okay, I'll check this out. And so I did. And then, uh, and then after I watched it, I mean, all I really knew at that point is, okay, whoever this Alex Taylor is, um, there was clearly an explosion and that was what, that was what killed her. And then when I looked, and then when I, then when I looked it up, um, like information about that episode online and eventually learned exactly how she died. I started wondering, okay, okay. She was literally blown in half. How did they get away with showing that? Mm. Like how, how do they get away with showing that? How much? And I, and I still, I mean, even, even now that I know more about it, I mean, I still, I still wonder, you know, how many back and forths did the producers have to do with have to do with NBC? Like, how much did they have to say? Okay, we want to show this. No, you can't show this. Well, then what can we show? We want to show what happens here, and and also, um, what else? And I think, and I told you this off air last week, too, right when we got done recording, I think, but. Um, this is actually when, when I tell people about the show, this is actually the scene that I show them Mm -hmm. the scene, the scene of the scene of her dying because it is by far, I think anyway, one of the most graphic things, one of the most graphic scenes in the history of third watch. And not only that, but it really, it really showcases the the dangers that come with these jobs. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's a very good point you make there because, I mean, we're four seasons into this show. Um, we've seen police officers get shot. We've seen sort of Davis get shot. Um, you know, Bosco got shot. Um, sort of, you know, we've had people get injured and sort of in the line of duty. But, I mean, realistically, have we had a lot around the fireies and sort of the paramedics? I mean... A bit, yeah. No. We've seen Doc and Carlos, uh, you know, we saw Jerry obviously get shot in the very first episode. I mean, we've kind of seen incidents around the dangers of people more so than the actual dangers of the job. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... Everything that you say, I completely agree with. I think that um, they've really pushed the line of the censorship here at this time slot and what they could and couldn't show in uh, 2003. Um, yeah. I, I think that... It's just such a powerful, and it's obviously our first major character death since Bobby. So we've, you know, gone two seasons without a major character death. And moving forward, we're not going to have another major character death until exactly two seasons time in the season six finale. I mean, okay, we're going to, we'll have minor characters die, but then I'm talking about main cast, you know, build. Um, so there's a slight yeah. bit of a spoiler for the amount of main cast that are leaving in the next season that kind of, you've got to know they're not going to die. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I wonder if there were even, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, I wonder if there were even, I wonder if even showing 
Lieutenant Johnson on fire after the explosion. I wonder if even that could have been pushing the pushing the boundaries of network sensors a little bit. Because well, I mean, they I'm, they I guess kind of NBC were familiar with a, a fair amount when it comes to certain things. Because I mean, ER always pushed the boundaries with the graphic nature of sort of hospitals that they could show and graphic injuries and things like that. So. You know, they, they had some familiarity, I guess, with what they could do, sort of, with the shows being connected. But, um, yeah, I mean, I even sort of going into, you know, the next episode where we've got Johnson and sort of the aftermath of his burns, I mean, that's very horrific, kind of showing the extent of his injuries. And I remember, I mean, very few and far between in my life when I was watching this show, did I ever have people talk to me about it. And I've mentioned a few times that a few people have said, but I, I vividly remember... Um, being in year 11, what we would call college in Tasmania, and the next day after the uh, episode where you see Johnson's burns, one of my teachers basically saying, like, oh, did anyone watch Third Watch last night and see how, you know, um, stuffed up that was? And basically I was the only one was like, oh, my God, somebody watched Third Watch? Yes, I watched it. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, you did say something about that. I don't think it was on air, but I think it may have been something that we had talked about. The, a few things I'll just add here, though, because I want to eulogize Taylor quickly, but... The, the, yeah. the one complaint I have about this sort of storyline is that, and this goes back to, you know, when I was talking about this earlier in the season when um, she got hit by a car and crash and burn. I think, like, I, I kind of feel they should have killed her then. And I think we discussed this back then because, like, what was the point of her getting hit by that car except for adding a random bit of drama to that episode, if, again, you, she's basically going to be invisible for 18 more episodes, so they basically come back and kill her again. And we had that whole sequence in Crash and Burn, didn't we, where she basically says to Kim, like, I'm glad I didn't die, I don't think my mother could handle it. And yet here she is, blown in half, and we're going to have to deal with the mother again. So I think that if you're going to have, like, go for that emotional core of that connection and realise you know, you're going to put that strain on a mother. And I, I, it's, it is a tragic storyline to kind of have her say that only to die. Don't have it such a big gap apart because we've had so much happen between Crash and Burn and The Price of Nobility. So much happen. And so limited So Taylor. much that could have featured her. Yeah, like, have Crash and Burn. If you're going to do this, if you're going to have her get hit by a car and have this storyline where you're going to try and play the tragic car with the mum... Have this happen, like, four weeks beforehand, and then have some scenes in between here and there with her and her mother so that we're really starting to play that connection. Because I feel the casual viewer of this show, in 18 weeks, has completely... I mean, we've forgotten that Taylor's gotten hit by a car, and we're talking about this every single week. Um, you know, we randomly bring it up every <laughs> yeah. three or four weeks, saying, hey, remember when Taylor got hit by a car? So I think that yeah. while I see what they're trying to do, I feel that maybe just kill her and crash and burn if you're going to kill her. Or don't have that at all, or if you're going to have it, have it a lot closer to this episode. Yeah. So, yeah. I got you there. But I guess this is the point, you know, with only the second real chance we've kind of had to do this uh, in terms of the death. We did it with Bobby, but, uh, yeah, Taylor. Um, I think also we've, we've luckily enough been able to have Amy Carlson on the show, have a chat with her about a time of Third Watch. If you haven't listened to that, please download it. She does talk a little bit about the filming of this scene and kind of everything about the reasons why she left the show it's a great interview but um you know i'll just quickly say that and i think i said this in the very first episode that she appeared in that initially when i used to watch his show i was never really a taylor fan she was just kind of the new character who you were kind of like eh, taylor like whatever like and there was just a few times i would watch his show where i just never got connected to her i'm like eh, i don't really care but i think every time i rewatch this I'd, again i appreciate her 
Um, you know, we talked a little bit about last week with Sasha, how she's kind of just a generic cop with, you know, a few bits here and there. Whereas Taylor has got some great layers. We keep using this term layers to her. You know, obviously the whole thing about being a firefighter and a paramedic is great. You know, clearly she comes from a, a family. It's a very masculine family where it's a firefighter heavy background and that, um, you know, her dad played a huge influence around it. They were able to tie in a very emotional storyline around 9-11 about her father dying and kind of everything around that. So, you know, we had some great storylines around everything there. Um, and I, I kind of, I always appreciate Taylor Moore every single time I really watch this show. Um, and she, I mean, she, if we, if we were to sit down here and rank, the top 10 third watch characters from a main cast perspective. Maybe we will do that one day. I don't know. I mean, there's probably off the top of my head, 13 or 14 main cast of this show that officially build on the opening credits. She would yeah. probably maybe just crack the top 10 because I could easily put three or four people below her in terms of importance of this show. And you know, one's that. And I mean, that kind of, I think just sums her up. Like she's got some great storylines. She's interesting when she's there, but they, I don't feel they ever really felt what they could do with her. And she kind of fizzled out on this show similar to what Bobby did. Bobby kind of left with no storylines and kind of got forgotten about. I think Taylor suffered even more though, because while Bobby still appeared, uh, Taylor essentially did not appear hardly at all in this season. And then they kill her off. So. In summary, I like Taylor. I, I appreciate her more every single time. Amy Carlson's a great actress, um, and she's got a bit of a cult fan base out there. I think a lot of people through Blue Bloods in particular. Um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate her a lot more, and sad to see her go, but a very memorable death going out of it here. Yeah, definitely. And um, I actually saw an interview. There was There's an article... I forget which mag- I forget which newspaper or magazine it is, but there's an article that was posted the morning after the th- after this episode originally aired um, that said that you know the reason why she was killed, the reason why Taylor was killed off in this way, and Amy Carlson said that um, she had talked to Ed Bonero about it, and he had said that he wanted the char- he wanted the death to be in a manner that no one watching would ever forget. Well, I would say mission accomplished there. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I mean, everyone I've showed that scene to where she dies. Um, th- whenever I bring, whenever I bring it up, they, t- they've told me, they've told me that that is still etched in my memory. Mm-hmm. I, I still see that in my, I actually swear one, one of my friends, one of my friends even told me once that she still, that she sees it in her, that she still occasionally sees it in her nightmares. Wow. So, well, I, so I, I think it's, mission I, accomplished there. It's very powerful. And I think, I mean, props to Amy Carson's acting here too, just on that moment when I was saying yes. before about kind of just the emotional, like her facial expressions and everything, the tragic nature of it. Uh, I mean, let, let's be honest. There are three major character deaths in this show. We've had two of them. We're going to have one more in the season finale, but you would, I mean, it's between this and Bobby for the most effective. Um, I don't... It's so hard to rank them because as much as, like, everything you said is right, like, you remember this, and, like, that's a very good point that, uh, you know, in that interview where it's kind of like we wanted to go out in a way where you remember it. You do. Um, there's still something about Bobby's death, obviously. It's the first one. I think it's, I think Bobby's is more shocking because I think that this, while it's shocking in its graphic nature... Going back to my point where there's a lot of cliches leading up to this happening. 
And I think you get to a point in this episode where you know something's going to happen. Whereas I think- Whereas with Bobby, Bobby, it's like- even like him getting shot, you kind of feel he's going to come through with it. It's, it's, I, I think I probably brought it up back then when we talked about it, but like ER and spoiler, if you've not seen ER, it's, it's when Carter and Lucy get stabbed and then Lucy dies. Like, I don't think you're expecting either of them to die, but Lucy dies. And that to me is maybe the most memorable and shocking moment in the history of ER. That is an episode that I have watched the most and just that is one of my top 10 TV episodes of my entire life watching TV, probably. Um, but, I think Bobby's kind of, he's on a similar vein where it's just, it's more shocking. And it's that end of that episode with the silence, with the no music and just the way that's edited. It's, that sticks in your memory. Whereas, you know, this, it's, yes. it's, it's got a different level of memorableness. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I no, will say and- that I've just counted there are 16 officially, uh, main cast, uh, of Third Watch over the six seasons. Uh, I mean, look, I really, again, it just makes me so mad that Yvonne Jung is not one of them. Um, but, you know, <laughs> she's not. I'm talking about officially casted. But looking at IMDb here in terms of episodes, now, this is, of course, a mixture of credited episodes where they don't necessarily make an appearance. But um, Amy Carson has 61 episodes credited for Third Watch, which puts her 10th overall. Uh, and the only non-official cast ahead of her is Joe Lisi as Swirsky. So you know he was in 70 episodes because clearly he's only going to get credited when he appears in an episode. So, I mean, look, if you look at, you know, our main core group of eight, who, uh, you know, obviously sadly not including Bobby here, but, uh, you know, from the very first episode with Kobe Bell, Molly Price, Anthony Reeve, Skip Sardis, Jason Wiles, Kim Raver, Michael Beach and Eddie Cibrian, they're our top eight as credited. Um, mm-hmm. so Amy Carson obviously joined in season two, but yeah, it's not bad. So, she, I mean, she, her tenure, basically, she appeared in more episodes, or at least has credited more episodes than Walsh, who you know appeared in 57 episodes. So Walsh probably technically appeared in more episodes than Amy Carson, but obviously he was never officially billed. Um, so right. Amy Carson credited in four more episodes than Tia Tahada, uh, eight more episodes than Chris Bauer, and, uh, also eight more episodes than DK. So, Walsh in four more episodes than DK. There you go. Excuse me, I'm choking <laughs> on my own breath here. But, um, yeah, Amy Carlson. You're good. And we do get, uh, for those who remember me complaining about hashtag no Bobby funeral, um, good news, folks, we get a Taylor funeral next season. So, um. Yes, we do. Maybe we'll mention you know, a little bit more about that when we come to next season, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, I find myself wondering, you know, I find myself wondering every time I watch that, every time I watch that scene, because we're, I mean, we're still stuck on Taylor, but that's okay. Um, wh- why? I, well, actually, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. Would you rather, if, if we knew she was going to go out, you know, would you rather she had died as a, performing her job of a paramedic or performing her job of a firefighter. I mean, we know which one that she does. Yeah, well, I think... We know which one she does. That adds to the clichéness in a way where it's the tragic nature of her death where... And it gets explored moving into season five as if she wasn't on the bus that day, she wouldn't have died. That's kind of what they're alluding to. But I kind of think I doubt that. Well, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that because, like, look... 
at the end of the day, if she was a firefighter, she's probably still going to be in that position as well, isn't she? Because a, she's going to be looking. Oh, at she, the... she, she'd be, she'd be right there trying to put that car out. Well, we we had in uh, season three, didn't we, with the uh, the cafe explosion where she wouldn't leave the page. So it's kind of it's a it's a trope of Taylor that she kind of does this where she just stays with people and is stubborn and you know goes against what people say. And we get a great speech from Carlos doing that at her funeral. Um, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, I, I think that kind of the fact that she goes out in this manner is, um, yeah, I mean, it just adds to the tragicness of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously she would have rather go out as firefighter, but you know, uh, yeah. So Either way, she would, she would have been right there. We'll power through the rest of this episode then, because we've obviously got still another big key moment to talk to. Uh, and, and just, I don't, I said it before, clearly this moment's going to make our top five. Um, and in any other yes. season, this would probably be our number one moment of the season. But I'm telling you now, this is not going to be our number one moment of the season. Um, <laughs> it's probably going to be our number two moment of the season. But um, we come back and Kim on the radio um, is mentioning that members of the service are injured. Doc's yelling for Taylor. Doc, through all this, doesn't realise what's happened. I mean, there's been a massive car explosion. you think Doc would have checked, but uh, never mind. Um, Lieutenant Johnson is still, uh, dying for help here as well. No pun intended there. Um, and, uh, Doc sort of still muttering under his breath going off about Taylor. We see in the background the gurney sort of with a blood-soaked sheet going, uh, onto the ambulance. Um, we've got Bosco once again, uh, asking Yokus for help, uh, explains what has happened about the setup for the murder, um, and, um, you know, this is where Yokus admits to Bosco that, uh, Cruz lied about the, uh, dying declaration. She knows about it, that his name is on that. Uh, and then this is where Bosco said she's made a mistake this time. You know, we can get her out. And essentially she, uh, he asks Yokus to go around to Noble's hotel, find the gun. And then this way, this will prove that Noble killed, um, Willie G and that they're set up for murder and that Cruz will go down. And, um, this is when Bosco's saying, I swear I'll never ask for help again. Uh, Yokus is saying, why is it always me? And this is kind of going back to what I was saying about how Bosco's really got no one else. This is where Bosco says, I don't have anyone else. I'm begging you to help me one last time. So, such an effective scene. These two always work, you know, well off each other. We don't need to repeat yeah. ourselves over and over again. Um, and, you know, any other season where we don't have big moments, this could be a contender for a top five. But, I mean, potentially a, a top 10, top 15 moment of this season. So, you know. Yoke is yes. I guess, getting involved in this moving forward. So we then um, move in to Doc again, trying to find out where Taylor is. And another powerful scene here, which again, this is really everything for this moment is powerful and emotional. This is why this episode is so good because kind of it, it's got this slow build leading up to uh, Taylor's death and then everything really from there is just brilliant. You just, you're so captivated by this episode with everything that is happening from this point on. Doc being told that Taylor's dead, his reaction and Carlos's just reaction to Doc, you know, there was nothing that can be done. Um, just, just the acting here from both Michael Beach and Anthony Ibeva are so powerful, so strong. And then Doc, um, you know, he's got to get, uh, Lieutenant Johnson to hospital and just the look on Doc's face. This, this to me is it. This is the, um, the, the mirror shattering in Doc's head that this is officially kind of his path to nothing can fix him now. 
This is this is it for me. I think um, let's just that one look on his face, and I don't know if you're a Simpsons fan and know of that famous episode where uh, Ralph goes on the date with Lisa, and they play that clip where um, they say, and you can ex- if you put it in slow motion, you can see the exact moment where Ralph's heart breaks in two. Um, so this to me is that moment for Doc that like there's a switch that flicks in his head, and he's not curable from this point because it's just there's a look on his face. That to me, he's gone. That's it. Doc's done. Like is like it's just a really empty look. Yeah, it's just this empty desperation look. And we've said this from the very beginning of our recaps that Doc is just on a slow path to a tragic end. Um, and and this is what really breaks. This him. is the like. Th- there's nothing positive for Doc moving forward here. There really isn't. He, he like no. all of season five is setting him up to his ultimate downfall. So, um, yeah, this is this to me. And there's one moment in this episode where you kind of get your last bit of good darkness. But, um, and that's a great scene too. But yeah, th- this to me is it. There's, there's no turning back for Doc from this point on. Um, Bosco has Noble at a bar. Um, and is, uh, you know, obviously we know that he's getting him there to get him out of his hotel. He's lied and, uh, said that Cruz is going to meet them there. I love how Noble just helps himself to, uh, beer behind the, uh, Behind the uh, the, the <laughs> desk there or the, the bar, I guess uh, you said there. Yeah. Um, and he's begging Bosco to give him some drugs. Uh, you know when he's asking the question, like, "Oh, is it true that all the cops have the best dope?" Um, so yeah. Um, we some have, do, yes. Back in the hospital, so I've heard we have uh, Doc. Um, bringing in Lieutenant Johnson, DK and Walsh watching on. Can I just point out again that this is going to be a big, huge moment to me that annoys the crap out of me when it comes to continuity in the next episode after this, the season five finale. Just uh, all I'm going to say is right now, notice that Doc has a fair amount of hair on his head. Okay, just just remember that, folks. It's just a key okay. thing to keep an eye out there. Uh, we see Taylor, meanwhile, brought in. And for somebody who's been ripped in half, there should be a lot more blood. And I don't know if... I don't know how it works. I'm not a paramedic, but do they bring her into the hospital, kind of putting her on a gurney like that, both parts of her body covered by a sheet? I would assume that this is a, like, they would have to put her in a body bag at that point. I don't know. Like, um, yeah, I'm not sure how that works. No idea. We find out that uh, Kim has gone to get uh, Taylor's mum. And again, a great scene here where we've got, we just have a shot of a glass being poured with alcohol. We see the TV in the background with a news report about members of emergency service injured. And we realize this is Alex's mum watching this. And then we have the knock on the door with both uh, Kim and Davis there uh, just saying Mrs. Taylor. And then kind of it fades to black and just, yeah, this is going back to my point where, you know, if you want it to be effective with Taylor's mum, have that line earlier from the season where Taylor's saying, "Like, I don't think my mama could ha- mother could handle it." Have it because I yep, and yeah, go ahead. Yep, and and then and then yeah, like you said, you know, show show the kind of relationship that they have with each other, and then and then do this. Yeah. So and show us how she takes it. Well, we're gonna get like so, a, a powerful scene here in the car because. Before we get to that car, we just got a scene in the middle where Yokus, uh, wants to go on a meal break, says to Johnson that she'll take an RMP to go out there. And, um, this is where Johnson, uh, Johnson, uh, Swirsky basically says, uh, look, take your time. It's, it's quiet. 
Um, and then, yeah, we get this great scene sort of going what you're saying about her reaction to this uh, in the cop car where they got the lights and sirens on to get Taylor back to the hospital. We get a great shot of the city as they're going over, I'm, I'm going to say, the Brooklyn Bridge, one of the bridges. Um, her mum, Taylor's mum wants it switched off and just this, this whole conversation where she basically says, you know, she always wanted to do what her dad did and she even went and got herself killed. Um, so yeah, just such a powerful, effective scene. Just again, there's nothing in this episode yeah. from this point on that isn't. And, uh, again, we love Taylor's mum. Um, yeah, I forgot who plays her. Uh, but. well, I'm about to, cause I've forgotten her name too, but I'm just about to pull it up. Cause I also know we've established that she plays Jack's mum in Lost as well. So, um, you know, she's pretty well, uh, I guess, uh, tuned to playing, uh, the mother. Uh, Veronica Hamill is her name. Beth Taylor is the character's name. Uh, so yeah, Veronica Hamble, great actress, um, very esteemed for lots of things. She's been, um, you know, around for a long time. So I'm seeing here that she actually hasn't acted since Lost, according to IMDb. Um, and she only played Jack's, really? Jack's mum three times. I thought she played it more than that. Interesting. Um, so yeah, that's very interesting to see that she hasn't acted since Lost, at least according to IMDb. So, uh, she played Jack's mother in three episodes and she played Taylor's mother in three episodes. So, um, there you go. And actually between Third Watch and Lost, the only other thing that she did in that time period was a TV movie called Bone Eater. So, um, her last two TV roles actually did come on Third Watch and Lost. So, uh, there you go. Very interesting. Um, All right. So we have Yokus uh, going through the hotel room, uh, starts searching it. Uh, Bosco eating a sandwich, saying the sandwich is terrible. This is a scene where I think we've mentioned a few times where Noble mentions that he gets himself immersed in the culture when he's writing his books. And he's talking about how when he went to Ethiopia, he ate Ethiopian food and um, ate all their cultural food. Um, so yep. Bosco sort of saying, you do crank professionally. Um, essentially, um, then Cruz shows up because Noble is called Cruz. He says he likes to check his sources and then Cruz pulls Bosco aside and it's kind of like, you know, what are you doing here? Like kind of Bosco has been caught out again, I guess. He's saying he wants out. Um, and then Cruz, um, as just it's a great little debate between the two of them here. And then Cruz kind of catches on eventually to Noble and is like, what the hell is he asking you here? Uh, and then asks, where's the gun? Um, says, is it at your place? And then uh, basically uh, Noble's like, yep. So this is where uh, Cruz rings up the desk, finds out that Jokers is on a meal break, looks at Bosco and just says, stupid, stupid, and then leaves. Bosco chases after Cruz and... Look, again, you, leading up to what we're getting, you might argue it's a bit cheesy that we've got cops going up against each other, but again, it's just the tension of this whole situation that we're about to have. It's just so good, and yeah, I can overlook any clicheing cheesiness about this because it's just the acting here from Tia Tahada is great. The desperation, Jason Wiles, Bosco doing this, Tom Berenger, with desperation. The, everything is so good around this. The de- the desperation, I'd call it the unraveling. The unraveling, <laughs> yes. And I think, look, let's, I just want to say this now, and we'll talk about this more obviously this time next season, is that the thing that works so much more effectively with this compared to what we're going to get at the end of season five and when we get Gene Simmons involved, and, you know, I'm 50-50 in Gene Simmons. One minute he's a good actor, the next he's bad, and I kind of think, you know, he plays that sort of monotone villain well, but, there's so much more cheesiness and over-the-topness when it comes to Gene Simmons and his gang. It's it's almost cartoony. 
And that's when I think you mentioned to me last week about the season five finale, you know, the tension with that. And the way season five ends is very cliche and cartoony and dumb to me. Whereas this, I think, is just, you could argue there's a level of that, but it's so well acted, it's so well edited, it's so well directed. I just think you just believe this more and a more enthralled by everything that you're getting at this point. You've still got enough of the first couple of seasons DNA in this show that, yeah, you're crossing over into cheesiness territory, but I think that it's still, it's working, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. So, I guess leading from this point on, we have uh, Mrs. Taylor showing up to the hospital. Uh, She hugs Kim and uh, sort of just the reactions, the looks on all the firefighters and emergency services faces as they see her. Um, we've got Cruz and Bosco in this, uh, I guess, car chase, essentially. They're not really in a car chase, but Bosco trying to catch Cruz. Um, Yokus finds the gun, meanwhile, in the uh, hotel. Cruz walks in and um, says, one day we're going to sort out our business. How'd you turn turn him on me? Talking about Bosco. Um, <laughs> Yokus saying he feed out I love himself. how she says that. I love how she says that. Yeah, it's- I love... I, I like it's like, when he, how'd you uh, turn him on me? I, are you I'm like, are you a cop or are you a jealous ex-girlfriend or something? I like the bit when she, uh, when Cruz basically comes back and says, like, he's not that smart. And then we have, uh, we hear Bosco in the background yelling for Faith. And then just, just the, the way Cruz goes, mommy. Um, just like, it's, uh, we've got, the thing is, I think we could legitimately have this whole final five minutes as a scene in our final five, but we're going to have to obviously cut it around because that's not how we do things. Because I think the scene in between these two is great as well, but just, just, Tita Hart is acting here, just the way she kind of, like, going back to what I was saying about Doc, how he's kind of clicked, this is where Cruz has kind of clicked, and she's just got this, like, look on her face, and this is where this whole Like, scene completely gonna... unbalanced. Yeah, the, exactly. And I think, kind of, this is what's going to sell the final scene in just a few moments, because just, the, you see Cruz's face, and you can see Yokus's kind of look of, like, oh, what's she going to do here? Um, and it's just through that scene, the way she just kind of says, like, mommy, and that's, like, the real point right now, and you're like, holy crap, what's going to happen here? Um... We have a great scene, though, a great scene. Maybe the last sort of normal, calm scene we have of Doc until, I guess, his final episode, where we just have this, you know, emotional moment between him and Kim at that beautiful scene in the river where they do so many shots down there. And, um, you know, he just basically breaks down to Kim and says that he can't do this anymore. He can't show up on the street and that he has to take the promotion and that he's sorry to Kim that, um, you know, she won't get her promotion as well. Um, and then he kind of walks off by saying that the day that I get a promotion is going to be known as the day that Alex dies. And it's just, again, any se- other season that we didn't have all these other key moments, this would be a top five moment. It's just such a powerful moment. It's such a great scene between these two. And yes. yeah, sadly, the last kind of normal doc moment really, isn't it? It really is. And man, although of course, I mean, we'll know that it's a, it's a whole host of things that have led to this, but man. Yeah. And clearly I'll just point out in terms of the continuity error that I'll have a big issue with. Um, can we just point out the last time that we'll see doc with hair and just remember that the next episode takes place on the same day that this is happening. Um, so between this scene and the first part, the first time we see doc in the premiere of season five, he somehow gets his head shaved. So, um, 
I'll go yeah, on more about he that. He lost the next all episode. of his hair due to the stress. I will go more about that on in the premiere episode of season five. (laughs) So we then lead into the big cliffhanger of this season and uh, another top five moment of this season, uh, without doubt, um, that uh, Noble shows up into the hotel room. We've got this standoff uh, happening. Cruz tells uh, Noble to leave, but he won't won't leave. Um, And then just Cruz essentially just lays it all on the line here and just really loses it, kind of that unhinged moment. She's talking about how she fixes things, that they killed his sister, this is what anti-crime does, um, and that nobody asks how they do it, they just do it, they fix things, and then people move on. Kind of summarises her, I think, very well in this sequence. So she yells at Jokers yes. to give her the damn gun. Uh, they all have this massive stare down. We're all in slow motion here. Uh, Cruz hands, gets about to have the gun handed to her by Jokers. But for whatever reason, Jokas decides to then turn the gun around. Cruz pulls her guns out as well. Bosco's got his gun out. We hear shots fired, fade to black, end of season. Now, I remember watching this live and storming out of the room going like, what the hell, what the hell, like going on about it to my mum. Like, they can't end a season like this, can't end a season like this. Again, this is so over the top, the way they end this. The fact that we've got three cops essentially shooting at each other. You know, are we meant to believe this? But it's just done in such a way that I can ignore anything that's bad about this. I do question why Jokas does turn the gun around and decide to shoot at her. Um, and in all fairness, I do kind of lay the blame on Jokas here for this being, you know, shooting. Because had she handed the gun, was Cruz really going to shoot them at that point? Probably not. Um, so... Oh, well, she was so unhinged at that point that... I, mean, I don't think she would have. You like, don't she's know. Only, she's only shot back because Jokas has pulled the gun. That's what we're going to get in the next season when we get explanations about this. So, I mean, look, as much as I love Jokas, I do have to question her motives as to why she decided to turn this gun around. Um, but, I mean, what an ending. I mean, we... This is, this is by now, the, the, the most dramatic ending we've had. I mean... It's only the second time we've ended a season on a cliffhanger, and even, you know, Blackout, it was really just, you know, oh, they're going out into a riot. It's kind of, you know, not overly effective in terms of whether or not our who's in danger. This is a real, like, you know, who shot Mr. Burns? Who shot JR thing? Like, who's being shot? Who's, you know, is anyone alive? And everything, all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, what a yeah, way to end And that's how it was advertised. That's how it was, that's how it was advertised, too, when it... When the pre- when the premiere of season five was coming up, there was and there may still be a promo of it on YouTube. Um, it was it was the question on America's mind: Who will survive? Yeah. The- so, well, we're gonna find out. Obviously, in our next uh, ep- well, not our next episode, in two episodes' time here on the Oz Network. But anyway. Um, that brings us to the end, and clearly it's a buy, and if you don't buy this, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, <laughs> You're going to put me on top of a burning car and wait till it explodes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, And I'm not going to have time to ask how am I doing. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I would just say overall, I, I, I was trying to see if I could put this in the top 10. It's just missed out on the top 10. I put this as number 12. Uh, out of ah. 88 episodes. Um, but this is the highest ranking season finale, um, so far. So, um, there yeah, is but, that. So, yep. so yeah, a def, a definite buy here as well. Yep. Of yep. course. So that leads us here. Next week, obviously, we will be back for a look at, uh, season four as a whole, but just a quick little forward looking, um, to our season five premiere. 
uh, the truth and other lies. Um, I mean, it's a, it kind of picks things straight up from where we have here. Lots of continuity errors, particularly one in particular that I've already mentioned that I'll go off a lot. Um, and then we kind of get some more plot twists around this whole situation around, um, Aaron and Cruz and the FBI. So, yeah, uh, anything to add on yeah. our fifth season premiere? No other than you're in for the continuation of a pretty wild ride. Indeed. Well, we will be back next week, as I said, for a Season 4 recap. In the meantime, remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You know the drill, everyone. Do it out there and get involved, and we always appreciate your support as we wrap up another season of Third Watch. My name is Ben, and you don't look so good, Rider Boy. (laughs) My name's Darvell, and you know this day's going to be remembered. Alex died. And I got a promotion. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.